0: You're listening to The New Mamas Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The New Mamas Podcast. It's your host, Lena Forrestal. Today, I'm talking to Carly Ely, a repeat guest. Sometimes we have people on again because the episodes are so good and so informative. Carly and I did an episode on how to sleep train your newborn. Newborn sleep, basically, big bucket topic. And that was a really informative and helpful episode, I feel like, for no matter what stage of motherhood you're in, because I feel like a lot of the sleep hygiene tips we talked about are things that we can even take into our older children in adulthood and topical talking about older children. Our episode today, we're going to be talking about sleep training toddlers and preschoolers. So fun. Carly, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back. And we were just talking about our own children and their ages. So maybe let's give the audience a bit of a primer on where we are in our motherhood journeys. So my son Archie is I always say he's two and a half, even though he's not two and a half anymore. Like he's turning three in June. So that's, I don't know, a couple months from now. But I don't want to be the mom that's like, he's 54 <laughs> months old and ugh, cringe.
1: Exactly. I know. I basically just round either like down or up, like, yes, by like half, like six month increments. Right. Like, but then you yeah. don't want to say my, like, if he's not yet three, like you, it starts to get weird. Like, you don't want to say he's like almost three if he, it's like hard to say because you're, it's kind of your baby, you know?
0: Right, and your, your daughter's turning, you said three in September? Yeah, she'll be three in October. And then my son is four and he'll be five in September. Ah, so crazy. Yeah, let's just get into talking about sleep. So my first question is maybe selfishly a question because this is where I am. Okay, so Archie sleeps in a bed with us. We bed share. We love it. We're actually perfectly fine with this arrangement and it's been a joy for us. However, we are planning on baby number two, and I am just not really sure where to go from there because I do not think four of us can fit comfortably in a king-size bed. I'm also concerned about when I get pregnant of how much space I'll need and if it's going to be very comfortable to have him in a bed. He does have his own room and his bed set up, but how would you recommend transitioning if you're bed-sharing someone someone, a preschool, <laughs> uh, not preschooler, a toddler from one bed situation to their own bed in their own room.
1: Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of components that'll go into it. So the first thing I'd want to know, does he, has he ever like slept in his bed on his own or is it just kind of there for show?
0: No, we are truly effed because he has never slept. It is just a decoration piece. <laughs> <laughs>
1: at this point. right okay well then I would start there I would start by acclimating him to the room and the bed and making it a fun sort of adventure for him so I would start with starting some play time in there does he nap in your bed as well yes okay so I would start with like doing some just playing in his room not even around sleep at all just like if does he have toys in there like just kind of spending yeah. time in there Okay. So at this age, since he'll be almost three, he there's a lot more language. He understands a lot more than like a baby does, obviously, right? So with this, you can actually kind of get his buy-in a little bit more than you would with a baby. Mm-hmm. So you're going to start slow by kind of framing it like um, it's an exciting thing to be in your own bed because you're a big boy. I like to start with books and just reading books about his being, you know, I sleep in my own bed. there's an Elmo one. There's one that I have called like big enough for a bed. I think it's called and just kind of reading it. Don't even say anything about him moving to the bed yet. Just start with the concept of sleeping in your own bed. And then when you actually want to go for it, like you're just ready to go, I would set that up for a few months or like a month of like reading books and watching little videos about sleeping in your own bed. And then I would have a little kind of family meeting. Um, And just talk about how we're going to sleep in our own bed soon, Um, let him pick out like a new pillowcase or a new stuffy to sleep with or something that's like makes him feel cozy and you know excited for it, and then I would start with some, so you kind of have to do equal parts, like boundaries, like, yes, this is where you're going to be sleeping now, right? Like there is an expectation we're setting up, but also, and can be consistent with it. And also you have to kind of give him lots of little choices sprinkled in and have like a very, um, you know, a toddler friendly bedtime routine. Um, There's a lot of components that go into it that are less about really about sleep at this point and more about just giving him the confidence that he needs to be in his own bed as opposed to in your bed right Mm
0: because he can sleep
1: it's just now it's like he has to sleep
0: there so. Yes. Yeah. And we got addicted to it because we were all sleeping. Whereas a lot of my other friends who had kids in their own beds were waking. Up, and we'll get to that because I definitely want to ask you questions about that. My other friends had, you know, kids in their own beds in their own bedrooms, but they would wake up multiple times a night and run into mommy's, mommy and daddy's room and no one would sleep. So I'm like, well, every we're all sleeping. So why fix what's not broken? However. Yes. Well, that's great. (laughs) It might be a time. Yeah, I know
1: it's that's good because that's that would be my main thing is that like I, I do hear the same thing where it's like you're kind of just like getting kicked in the face and they're. But I guess he's like a pretty quiet sleeper. So that's.
0: Yeah, I got lucky. And I think because we've also big no, no, have had dogs in the bed as well. I feel like we're always used to sleeping with some sort of animalistic creature in the bed. Warm bodies all around. Yeah. Yeah. Just insanity all around. But I feel like there's definitely like pros and cons to each. And my con now is that I recognize he very much views mommy and daddy's room as kind of his room in a way like he'll say it's our bed and he'll say that's Archie's bed but he's never known anything else so I think definitely it's going to be a process acclimating him to sleeping in his own room but you're right at two at almost three he is so much I almost feel like in a better place because he does understand things now. Exactly, cuz now
1: it's like those concepts are more becoming more concrete and he understands more so it's it feels less like if he were, you know, say 18 months where it's like they have no no idea concept of why this is happening, but now you can say like here's the thing <laughs> we, you know, mommy and daddy like need sleep and you need sleep so that we can be healthy and we can have energy. And we all sleep better when we sleep in our own bed. You know, there's a lot of like, and there's a lot of, like I said, like books and shows and stuff that talk about this. Um, you could talk about how his friends do with it. You know, they sleep in their own bed. Um, cause I know he probably goes to some type of preschool, right?
0: Yes. I do that all the time. I'm like, guess yeah. what? I'm like, Kira washes her hair. Right. Sadie washes her hair. I go through the list. I say that to that's what
1: I something I say to to my kid and I tell parents too. like when there's any type of like bedtime protesting and they're like over two years old it's like well it's time for you to go night night and also so-and-so is going night night right now like everybody's going to sleep right now you know and it works because they're too. so
0: what about for my friends out there who have kids in their own rooms but they're getting up Multiple times a night and are sort of running into mom's mom and dad's room and disturbing their sleep. How do we get our kids? I feel like this is like the million dollar question. Are you ready? How yeah. do we get them to sleep <laughs> through the night in their own beds? So it,
1: I mean, it just depends on a lot of different things. So if you're starting from like that's that's your baseline is that if they've always had this problem or whether or not they've, this is a new thing, like regardless, it's it's now a thing. And so you kind of have to you know, meet them where they are, but also start to establish those boundaries. And it's going to involve some type of sleep training in most cases. And when I say sleep training for older kiddos, that's going to look a lot different than it does for babies. Um, It's a lot more based on um, a lot of prep work, a lot of like we were just talking about, like setting up these routines, having a meeting, talking about the changes, using different tools like the OK to wake clocks I don't know if you've heard of those oh no can you talk about those sure yeah so I don't know what kind. if you have like a sound machine do you have a hatch or anything like that yeah okay so the hatch specifically has has this built in but they make other ones too But basically I'll just use the hatch as an example because that's what I recommend usually to people so you have it set on your phone and you set this the sounds right and so at bedtime you turn it to like red because it rhymes with bed. That's why I like it. So when, it, <laughs> when the light is red, it's time for bed. Um, and when the light is either stays red all night, you know, if they're they need a night light, if they don't, it goes off. And then when the light turns green in the morning, that's when they know it's time, it's morning, it's time to get up. Um, and you can kind of set it up in a way that's like setting them up for success. So they're not gonna understand the concept right away or not adhere to it right away, but you can um, meet them where they are in terms of like if you want them to wake up at seven but they wake up at six instead of waiting until seven and like setting them up for failure you just change it you can just change it on your phone and then you celebrate that they waited till the light turned green and it kind of just you build and build and build up to the actual time you want them to like start the day and you can use that's like a, a visual boundary too you know like they can see that it is not time to get out of bed when the light is red otherwise they have no concept of what's you know what time it is right um so that's one of the tools I like to recommend And then, yeah, I mean, it's going to take some form of setting up very clear expectations and being very, very consistent with how you respond when they do come in your room. Um, One method that I don't know if some people may have heard of is just the silent walk back. So if they are able to leave their room, you don't basically don't react. You're like a robot and you just take them by the hand or pick them up or whatever it is, and you take them back to their room. And the first night you probably are doing this, like, upwards of 100 times or something like it's going to be a a rough night but you're probably having rough nights anyway so this is like a small price to pay and then eventually there's no reaction so it's like with anything else right it's like there's i'm not gonna get this this is you know this is not fun (laughs) so um the hope is that they would eventually be able to sleep and not come back to your room but there's a lot of like infrastructure to set up too with just behavior um and things like that. So. Toddlers are definitely a different beast when it comes to to sleep training, but I actually really enjoy it because like we were saying, they, they understand a lot more. There's usually a lot less like real crying, which is very triggering for us. So yes. it's more in the form of like, and then they can talk. So they're just like, kind of like, no, mommy, no, instead of like shrieks that are just soul, soul shattering, you know?
0: Yes. And then with the silent walk back then do you recommend laying there with them until they fall asleep and then going back to your bed or sort of tucking them in and trying to soothe them and then going back to your room
1: yeah no um i definitely don't ever recommend if you can help it like if if laying down with them isn't a thing that they need at bedtime that we don't do that um just because it kind of like non-verbally shows, like, makes them feel like maybe maybe this is where mommy is supposed to sleep. Like she's sleeping. Mm. She's laying down. <laughs> Seems like she kind of wants to go to sleep in here, you know, as opposed to like being very clear about like, this isn't my bed. Like I'm not, this is your bed and I have my bed and I'm um, setting up that, that, that boundary.
0: Got it. Okay. That's, that's good because I, I think a lot of people instinctually probably want to do that. And that's hmm. not, yeah, I can see how that's also confusing for a toddler.
1: Yeah, we've all, I mean, I've done it too before I knew, you know, what what was kind of behavior, how the behavior change works with this. Uh, but yeah, because it's like your instinct, you're also extremely tired. So I get that as well. Like, you're like, okay, like, I'm just going to lay in here. I'm just going to sleep in here. And that's kind of how that ends up happening is a couple of nights of that. And that becomes the expectation that your child has forever. Because, you know, if you do something once, you kind of have to be prepared, <laughs> like they're going to want to do it. Yes, time. a
0: million times. Yeah, every single time. Exactly. I imagine, of course, both mom and dad have to have the same reaction. You have to kind of show up as a united front on this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's like super, super important that you're kind of generalizing it across caregivers, right? So whoever's taking care of them, you know, whatever turn it is and taking turns too and making sure that you you kind of switch off. Like it doesn't have to be every single night, like mom and dad, but if you have the ability to kind of do that in a way, it also is helpful. Cause then they they really see that like, this is the way that it is now, you know, no matter who is putting me to bed or coming at night.
0: And then when it comes to juggling two kids with two I guess would you recommend let's say you have a, a newborn or an infant and then you have a toddler or a preschooler. Is that bedtime different for each? I feel like this is this could be a dumb question, but I guess I'm trying to think logistically, like does everybody this does bedtime routine start around the newborn or are there different bedtimes Do we do like for lack of better words man-to-man coverage, one person takes newborn, one t- person takes preschooler or toddler? What would you recommend when there's juggling too?
1: That's a really good question. Yeah. So it's going to be, it's going to vary based on everybody's age at any given time. So for example, like a newborn, you, newborns tend to go to sleep a little bit later, right? At first. Um, So your toddler would probably actually go to bed before them in most (laughs) cases. I don't know. Uh, But that would be my recommendation. It would be like usually toddler somewhere around seven to eight, you know, and then the newborn's probably not going to need to go to sleep until like after nine, at least. Um, and so that's at first. And then once they sort of become closer in terms of where their schedules lie, I like to stagger it like by, by at least like 30 minutes if you can. Every family is going to be different in terms of what's their, what they're capable of and what their preferences are. For example, with, in my family, we, um, we stagger it by about 30 minutes to 45 minutes, sometimes an hour. Like my four-year-old goes to bed at about eight o'clock and my two-year-old goes to bed at about seven o'clock or 730, depending on the day, right? And so if you can do that, that's super helpful. If not, like you can always do some components of the bedtime together. Like when Mm -hmm. I'm by myself um, and I have to put the two-year-old to bed, I'll have my four-year-old come in and help with the, you know, bedtime routine. We'll all read books together. And then he's old enough where I can say like, okay, like I'll be out in 10 minutes and, you know, you go play. Um, And then we do it that way. So if you can, if you have man-to-man comfort, that's obviously best, but there's ways to do it too, where you can have one kind of sitting right outside the door quietly while you're putting the other one down just so that they're in sight. You know, obviously we don't want to have to use like tablets and stuff if we don't have to, but sometimes that's the reality where if they're going to have to, you know, have 10 minutes where you know where they are, right. And they're, they're here in this spot.
0: Yeah. Yes. Have you heard of the Tony box? Yes, I want I'm, one so did bad. Did you get one? Oh, I'm no. Tony box. You have
1: one? Yeah, I'm. I think it might be the best purchase I've ever like. Maybe uh, as far as like a toy goes. Can you explain what it is for our listeners? Totally. Um. Yeah. So it's basically just a screen-free box, um, speaker box, and then there's little characters that go on top. They like magnetize to the top, so kids can like switch them off on their own and put a new one on. And they, they tell stories, sing songs. There's ones they have that are like, they're meant, you know, like sleepy time ones, like meditation, relaxation. So that's a great tool for like quiet time. Like if they're not really napping, but you want to have quiet time, that's a great tool because like maybe they'll fall asleep, but if not, they're, they're still having a quiet body and mind and like relaxing. And so it depends on the kid, but my four-year-old loves his, like he'll just, he'll listen to stories for like an hour.
0: I think I need that because like the other day, Archie was sitting like playing quietly in his bedroom, the decorative bedroom. (laughs) And I put on like, I don't know, Peppa Pig. It was like Peppa Pig story time. I just looked for like a child podcast and he was listening to that while playing. And I thought that was great because we are trying. He's asking for a TV in his room. Which can be so tempting as a parent, because no. like you said, it's reality. Like when I'm taking a shower, I turn my TV on and he's watching TV, drinking his milk. So I can, so mama can have a shower. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> mama needs yeah. to yeah. have or a nice you, shower.
1: Yeah. Like if you have to do something, you have to work, like whatever you have to do what you have to do sometimes. But I do, if if your kid like takes to it, like if he'll take to like the audit, like audio stuff, yeah, I think a great option. Um, Heck yeah. That's awesome.
0: His birthday's coming up. I know what I'm gonna put on for my in-laws possibly to purchase that. I love it. Yes, I love it. I'll link that in the show notes, everyone, too, so you can find it and know what it is. I love that advice that you have around staggering bedtimes. I have a practical question. I don't know if anyone else listening. Okay, so let me let me primer this. So one of my friends, her kids go to bed at 7:30 p.m. every night. And then another one of my friends. Her kid doesn't go to bed until like 1030. And then we are, we, I feel like we start the bedtime routine early. Like we start dinner early, but somehow, some way things just drag and we don't actually go lights out until about 9:30 and i want to push that back 8 p.m. Okay. sounds really good to be like lights out Music. i have the hatch also and okay. i like the music that it plays i have like a couple yeah. playlists on there i put on the music turn off all the lights we go to bed when do you start your bed for your daughter your daughter's your youngest correct mm-hmm. yeah for your daughter that goes to bed at 7 like what time do you start dinner and everything and like can you practically Like, in a practical way, walk me through your, like, evening... Absolutely,
1: yeah. No, and so uh, my life is also not like a vision of perfection, just as a disclaimer. But my bedtime, so we start dinner. We have dinner available. Let's 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 be real, okay. Dinner is there is food five thirty, okay. Like I have something that's good, Um, but they don't eat it. Then, like they'll they'll eat like twenty percent of it, um, and then basically they do the thing where it's like. So this is weird. My daughter has always since she was a baby, wanted, she'd have like two dinners. she'd eat our dinner, and then she would like house like the rest of it, like five seconds before we went upstairs for bedtime. And somehow, that, <laughs> I, I know it was bizarre, <laughs> Like, but it was the same dinner. It wasn't like she asked for something different. Like she just would go back and eat the cold plate. Like anyway, so we've had this weird thing where it like evolved into now she gets her night cheese because she likes cheese a lot. So she'll eat like a baby bell and like a, one of those like once upon a farm pouches. So I feel like, okay, about Uh, it. It's like, that's not
0: bad at all. You kidding? There's calcium, protein, veggies. I'm seeing all sorts of good stuff in that. Yeah. So we
1: sit in her room and like, I read books and she eats her like night cheese. (laughs) (laughs) And now my son, who's an extremely picky eater, like to an extent where we do feeding therapy and stuff. He basically does the same thing. So he does his bedtime routine. We sit and he eats basically what ends up being his dinner right before we go brush his teeth for bedtime
0: wow so that's my
1: weird that's my weird like situation but I do have dinner available at 5 30 and then at about 6 45 I'll take the two-year-old up and I, we don't do a super long routine like bath if we do a bath we'll start earlier at like 6 30 mm-hmm. um but we don't do it that every night we do it like every other night um and then
0: oh you bath every other night yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's And I'll do them together man.
1: too. I throw them in together at this point. It's, <laughs> it's okay for now. Um, and it is very efficient. So
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And yeah. And then we just 15 minutes, like she eats her cheese, we read some books and then she's in bed at about seven. And then same with the older one, he gets more of like 30 minutes and then brush teeth and we're in bed at like eight o'clock and yeah. I mean, I, I kind of forget what the question was just to how to push it earlier. Is that
0: I was, yeah, I wanted to see what your routine looked like because you seems like you were successful in getting to 7 PM lights out, which is pretty good. So I think yeah, yeah having dinner ready or having dinner available, food available at five 30, six 45 call. Like it's, it's tough. It's, it's definitely yeah. so hard because like, I feel like we, We also like clean in between then too. trying to clean for dinner, feed the dogs. Like we have a bunch of like little things we do. Do you think it matters? Like, do you think time of when a child goes to bed matters or do you think it's different for every family?
1: Well, I mean, that's a great question. I think it's, I think there's kind of a continue, like, I think it's fine as long as it's fine. (laughs) I think if, if you're not having any problems, like once they are in bed, they're sleeping well you're happy with every how everything is. That that's that is that's fine. That's great if it's working for your family. And there's a lot of cultural differences too. Like in different parts oh, of the right. world, kids go to bed later than they do in the states, and it works for them, and that's great. So I there is some research behind like an earlier bedtime is is a good thing. But again, if they're getting the recommended amount of sleep, and maybe their schedules just shifted right a little bit, then I don't really see a problem with it. If however you're having any type of issue or it doesn't work for your family, like then it's a totally fine thing to to incrementally move it up. And that's what I would do. I'd probably start with like slowly backing it up, you know, 15 minutes every other night until you get to where you want to be. But there's also parts of it that have to do with like the sleep pressure that we have. So Ooh. for example, if um, so, sleep pressure is um, basically when you wake up in the morning, you start at zero. If you think of it as like a, like a scale and you start at zero. And then throughout the day, it builds and builds and builds until your body is ready to sleep. So it's like sleep pressure building up. And so certain things take that pressure off. If you take a nap, then you kind of start back at zero, basically when you wake up from the nap. Wow. Um, Never heard of this. I'm (laughs) blown away. And so like when your kid, if your kid takes a nap, so this is something that families commonly will come to me with where it's taking a really long time for them to go to sleep at night. And it's not like they're like necessarily always fighting them or they're, you know, it's not necessarily like this big dramatic thing, but it's just taking a long time. And so sometimes a lot of times, actually, it has to do with like naps where as they get older, they just need less sleep. Um, and so what can happen is it's almost like the nap time can be stealing from the nighttime sleep. So if they wake up, they sleep too long during the day, or if that nap is um, too close to bedtime, like if there's not enough time between the end of nap and bedtime, that can be a reason why they would take longer to fall asleep. Um, If everything else, like if you're trying to get them to go to sleep earlier and like it's not working, that's something definitely to consider.
0: I mean, I guess that makes that makes sense. Like the other day, Archie and I slept, we took a three hour nap, which is a little bit that's a lot. That's like a, a whole sleep. Basically, yeah. <laughs> but that night in particular, yeah, we didn't end up going to bed until real late, but giving up the nap is so hard because I think also as parents, that's also our like reprieve, especially on the weekends.
1: <laughs> 100%. And you don't have to give it up. Like that's um don't give it up as long as it's working, like seriously, right. <laughs> um, but you can cap the nap. So you can kind of just, you know, like, for example, my daughter is, she's a few months younger than Archie. So we cap her nap at two hours and that works out well for us. There are also, she's also an anomaly because there's also days where she doesn't take a nap and everything's fine. So I don't know, but some kids are more sensitive than others. And so I've, you know, as early as, or as little as like an hour nap at this age, like his age would be pretty, pretty average. Um,
0: For, good to know. For
1: a yeah and so you still get like a you still get a break um it's less of a break but in a lot of ways it's kind of trading off like you kind of get a less of a break but then if you have an earlier bedtime that's also nice
0: that's a good point okay good to know that an hour is a good amount of sleep for him because he does I'm i'm blessed with a good napper but then he also goes to bed late <laughs> but then he also wakes up late so it's fine but yeah. i'd love to i'd love to push things change our schedule around a little bit hey everyone it's your host lena Forrestal, taking a quick break from this podcast episode to ask you to support the show i do this show because i love it and as a self-funded creator your support can help me pay for things like podcast hosting and an editor so here's how you can help share this episode with a mom friend caretaker or soon to be mom friend leave a review on Spotify or Apple podcasts and if you wanted to throw me some coins you can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash new any little bit helps and I appreciate your support finally give me a follow on Instagram at Lena Forrestal I love meeting my listeners so definitely send me a DM and introduce yourself now let's get back to the show i'm curious about you mentioned your son being a really picky eater did you want to elaborate a little bit on that like do you know like when did that start and the reason why i'm asking is because i had a really great eater archie archie everything falafel hummus indian food everything and then it feels like and i think part of this is normal into Mm -hmm. toddlerhood i just feel like i'm making the same meals over and over again yeah and it's a little bit stressful. so I just I'm curious about like how what your experience was with that.
1: yeah, yeah, i'm I'm happy to talk about it. I'm not officially an expert in any way in this. Um, I don't have degrees of, for it, but i I probably should, to be honest with you, and that's actually <laughs> this is actually something i I, you know, in the future, I do hope to incorporate into my practice with with sleep as well to have because they're so related also, um and also some yeah. of our biggest stressors as parents, I think. So, yes yeah <laughs> um but with him he you know his is what I at this point so I had no idea what was going on at this point I believe strongly that it's related to Neurodivergence so mm. I myself um, was recently diagnosed with ADHD and autism and I believe that he is basically me like four-year-old me I didn't have picky eating stuff but there's a lot of sensory components that can go mm-hmm. into it a lot of like rigidity and wanting to have control and just struggling to try new things, um, that can go into it. And so before we, I had any idea when he was a baby, this has always been an issue since like 10 months old. I would say we we did an early intervention because he just wasn't picking up table food. Like he would like Mm. not really want purees. He would eat them, but he wasn't into it. And then he wouldn't eat anything other than like puffs you know, like cereal. So we were a little concerned and we started doing OT for him. And it was a long journey. We tried different things and nothing really made a difference. Like he really still only would eat like crackers and just like cereal and like basic like processed carbs essentially um, for a really long time. And then we recently like last year found someone who was great and she came to our house and she did something completely Different than I'd ever seen anybody do. She has her own like specific method that she uses, and she got him to eat some fruits which he had never ate willingly. Wow! And some meat which he also had never ate willingly, and some cheese, like basically every other food group which he would eat. Um, and so now he's 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 still picky. He still likes what he likes and doesn't like what he doesn't like. But having that knowledge that I think it's partly due to being neurodivergent, and that with those kids it's basically all the feeding therapies don't really work Mm -hmm. with them. Um, It's just a different thing. So it's more about letting him have the space where you're not feeling pressured too much while also saying like, we do need to, to try new things sometimes. And he's much more willing to do that, which is, you know, it was amazing. Like when he started eating chicken nuggets, never did I think that like, I'd be thrilled that my kid like likes chicken nuggets, but here we are. So for, I will say throughout this journey, like I learned so much to the point where again, I feel like I, I want to talk about it and help other people through it because there is like such a spectrum. So when kids become toddlers, there's something called it's neo neophobia. I think it's fear of new things and food is a new thing. I just heard about this the other day. Yeah. So like, it feels like a threat to them because all of a sudden, even if they ate it before now, all of a sudden stuff, new things feel threatening. So there's that piece. There's also boundary, not boundaries. There's also, they're coming into their own and kind of testing boundaries and wanting to see what they can Mm -hmm. have (laughs) control over. So like, I don't know if this has happened to you, but with my two-year-old, now that I know what's normal and what's not like with her, i very much know that this is normal. Like she likes strawberries. Okay. And she eats a bunch of strawberries, like a pint of strawberries. And then the next day it's like, I'm trying to feed her like lava. Like, yes. So so that is, that's the normal part. It's like frustrating, but very much normal toddler developmentally appropriate behavior. And then there's also like the in-between where you might need a little bit extra support, um, but that can be easily remediated, like they can do some therapy and and feel a little bit better about it. Um, and so there's just such a big range of like between what's normal and what's something to be concerned about. But does he what does he like to eat? Like what is his jam right now?
0: Right now, we are in a jam of pasta is usually a safe food. The Purdue Plus it's a chicken nugget that also has cauliflower and chickpea. And I read the pa- the back today, actually. So you probably saw it. it's like chicken and vegetable. It's like a fourth yeah. cup of vegetables. He'll do those, which I'm like, thank goodness. Seriously. Um, fruits. I don't know. He's suddenly loved apples, suddenly now loathes with a passion apples. <laughs> Sometimes banana always dried mangoes it's it's very interesting like just the toddler that like you said like one day loves it the next day it's like i'm trying to poison him
1: absolutely the other thing um i was thinking i remembered while you were saying that is that one of the major red flags if like you are concerned about your kid for any reason because there is they are so picky but then you're like is this normal or is this not um is if they're eating not eating like a whole food group Okay, like if they are missing an entire food group from their diet, I don't know if I would count veggies as much just because most kids don't like like toddlers don't eat a lot of veggies. Um, My the feeding therapist we worked with said that it's like she kind of goes with like if they'll eat fruits or vegetables like that's Mm -hmm. fine. You know what I mean? Like one or the other. But if they're like refusing entire food groups like dairy, like my kid wouldn't eat. He'd only drink milk, wouldn't eat any like yogurt, cheese, wouldn't eat any meat, Wouldn't eat any fruits. So, like, that's when that's the concerning kind of red flag area to seek extra support.
0: Yeah, that's good to know and good for our listeners, too. I feel like they are related. Like, if we're talking about toddlers and preschoolers, I feel like food and nutrition is, like, you said, top of mind for parents. And what's interesting, I guess, I understand about fruits, I saw a diagram, it must have been on like feeding littles, was that they showed like a strawberry like six times, and then underneath it was like sweet tart like semi-sweet like the problem with fruit too is like the the taste varies like sometimes they are sweeter sometimes they're more bitter and with the processed food there's just control like an oreo is always going to taste like an oreo exactly (laughs) unfortunately i love oreos but i I can't even have i can't even have them in the house because I'm, i'm like addicted if i I will eat the whole bag by myself. I can't stop. It's, it's so terrible. Weird.
1: I'll just like walk by. Anytime I walk by, I just, I like get one. Like, yes,
0: I can't not get the Oreo. Yes. It's the weirdest thing. I can't. Yeah. We can't have it because of me. It's my weird. my husband gets mad. He's like, he's like, why can't we just buy them? I'm like, no, we can't buy Oreos. He goes, why? <laughs> because I'm, I'll eat the whole thing. I have no control. I was like, if you, could, if you want to buy them, buy them and like hide a them. Small. Like a I, I bought like <laughs>
1: mini a mini pack. I'm like. We can handle this,
0: I think. <laughs> As a family, yes. It comes with six, so we can just split it between sure. all of us. Yeah, that that's interesting. It would be cool for you to offer like a toddler nutrition or toddler eating something because I feel like your brain is already structured to problem solve for sleep. So I feel like and because of given your own experience too understanding your son. And also, was it it must be like a weight lifted as well, like with his being not diagnosed as the right word, but being neurodivergent or understanding that that's, that's what it is. It's like, ah, okay, now I get it.
1: Absolutely. It has a, you have a lot more empathy for him with it. And also like for yourself, because as parents, we kind of link, like if my kid eats this thing, then I did a good job. Like that's kind mm-hmm. of how our brain mm-hmm. processes it. And so if you have a kid who will not eat, normal amounts of food or normal variation of food it feels internally like you internalize it like like you're failing yeah and so once you kind of if you get to the bottom of it and you can kind of say like this is nobody's fault right like this is what it is we've done everything we could and it still is what it is and it's just kind of part of our our world and we just kind of have to work around it 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 really is a game changer. It is like a weight lifted for sure.
0: Yeah, that's very freeing. The other thing I heard on the podcast recently that made a lot of sense was like when we're serving our children food, like they just honestly might not be in the mood for said food, just like us. Mm-hmm. Like we're not always in the mood for a grilled cheese, I guess, like if that or, or chipotle, like if we're not always in the mood for pizza, we're not always in the mood for Mexican food. So it kind of makes sense too of like yeah, sometimes I don't want that. I want That's something else. A good
1: point. Yeah. Like if, imagine if somebody just every meal you had, I mean, we all kind of wish we had a personal chef for sure, but <laughs> yes. surely you'd have some control over the menu. They wouldn't just, you know, force whatever it is, but yeah. Imagine if someone was just like, here's your meal. And you're like, but I don't want that. You know, it, it is a good point. We have to kind of think of that. Like they are little humans too. You know, they can have preferences.
0: Yeah, and I feel like as parents too, as adults, we all have our own preferences. Like I, I, I can only wear Bombas socks because I need them to fit a certain way. Like I just can't deal with another type of sock. Really? Yeah, I'm like so particular about, so- I'm particular about sheets. I'm very particular about certain things. So when my toddler is particular about things, I feel like I can't get frustrated with him because that's me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's how I feel about, yeah, I'm like, yeah. like, you're me. And like, that's yeah. why sometimes we butt heads because it's like, we're both, we're just the same person.
0: <laughs> yes, it's like looking in the mirror and you're like, why am I so frustrating to parent?
1: <laughs> I know, and then I feel bad because like, you know, I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'm getting frustrated for the same reason that you're getting frustrated. And now we're both just frustrated and it's it's a lot,
0: but it's good. So is your daughter a little bit more like your husband?
1: Uh, I would say so. I mean, she's definitely not as much like my son um Mm -hmm. so she's much more just kind of like her baseline is much more jolly (laughs) like he's much more like serious and kind of he he errs on the melancholy side I think it's because it's just very analytical and yeah if you're I mean like the same thing it's like if you're told you can't do something but you know you can and you don't understand why you you know Mm-hmm. So she's much more, she's definitely two. Like, she still is like doing her two year old like freak outs and stuff. But, <laughs> um, but her baseline is like, yeah, I'm gonna just have this strawberry and like walk around and be happy and like twirl. Um, That's and cute. the eating thing, like, we got lucky because you know, the eating and the sleeping with her was both, they were both much easier just from the start.
0: That's excellent. I see memes all the time where it's like, my second child is a demon or something like that, like some funny like meme of like, but I I also hear that too, where the second child is easier. Like I know in my family, like I was the first child. I was definitely more difficult, and my sister was my my parents always say if we had your sister first, we would we could have ten of ten of her. I was like, oh, thanks. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Well, same. I think I'm that in my family too. So, <laughs> are you the oldest? I'm the youngest. You're the youngest. Wow. So maybe birth order doesn't matter. Maybe it's just literally like the personalities.
1: It definitely could be. It definitely could be like just the age of the parent too. I don't know. My parents were like older when they had me. And so I feel like they were just more lax. And then so I just was kind of like, I use that to my advantage. Mm. but yeah I mean it's also a thing where I wish I think the second kid can be easy like if you get lucky right and the second kid is pretty easy and you have the experience of already doing it right like I wish that I could go back and like literally tap myself on the shoulder as a first-time mom and just be like chill if you need more chill <laughs> <laughs> just you don't need to care so much about this it's okay you know because with the second one you really do realize like start what's actually something to be concerned about and what you need to look at. Listen, and I'm still working on it, but I do feel like it's a lot less stressful with the second.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. I love that visual of like tapping your past self. I have those moments all the time where um I look back on stuff that I just like freaked out about. And I wish that I could just be like, Hey girl it's cool. You're good. It's all good. Don't you worry. Like it will be fine. He will survive. So 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But it's but you don't know what you don't know. Like, I feel like even if you do read the books and listen to the podcasts and everything, like you're still doing it for the first time. Like it's it's like running a mile, I guess. If you run that mile the first time, like it doesn't matter. Someone can tell you what it's like to run a mile. They can explain it. You can read a book about running the mile. But until you run the mile, you don't know what it feels like. 100%
1: 100% it's like it's like with childbirth and stuff too right like you just don't you can't
0: imagine it until you're in it do you think the second time do you do you think you like knew too much or were you more conf- confident like how like how was your second birth wow we're really going off topic but I just <laughs> I'm just curious was it like were you more confident into the second time? I know it was also pandemic time for you because we yeah. gave birth around the same time so it was diff- probably different
1: yeah I was um it was Different, totally different. My first, my son was born. It was kind of traumatic. Like he came early. Um, oh. so he, I, he was in the NICU. I was on bed rest. He came at 34 weeks. So that was in its own, like that was really stressful. So then with Emma during, it was during the pandemic, which was stressful, but um. not even remotely comparis- in comparison to him. With her, I did a, um, I had a C-section with him and with her, I wanted to do a, a VBAC. Um, And so I did. And so that was, they were just two totally different experiences. Yeah, it was, it was something, (laughs) it was something else. That's a whole nother story, but uh, yeah, it was, every kid is so different. And then as far as your, like, just your experience as a parent, like it is great. I think part of the reason that it might be also easier, easier in quotes here as a second time mom is just that there's so much, so much information available to us. And so with your first kid, you are like, for me, at least I'm the type of person that's like trying to soak it all up and just, I want to know every possible perspective so I can, and it's like, it can become really this unnecessary stress of like, well, I think I'm supposed to do this, this way. And they said I should do this. And if I don't, and then with the second kid, it just becomes like you, You, I still take in the information, but I can like disseminate it a little bit better. Like, I'm like, nah, I don't need to hear that. I'm good. You know, with this, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll try that instead of it being it feeling so uh, heavy, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. As a first time mom, I feel like you take everything as gospel and you like have to like baby led weaning was one thing for me. I was like, I must do. This is the only, this is the right way to do it now. I must do that. And that was in itself like it worked for me in some ways but in other ways it was also more stressful because of the mess and i know i have a i have a friend who's a twin mom and she's she's a first time mom as a twin mom and going through baby led weaning she's like it's so much mess so I much mess you cannot do this three times a day it's insane
1: absolutely <laughs> like, no that's it's, it's so much mess And it's like with anything else, like anybody who like, yes, there are ways to do things that have been more like they've been researched now and we have more evidence and we have all these things. But at the same time, like the people that are telling us all these things, like even myself, right, I'm telling you things about how to help your child sleep because I have experience helping children that have struggled with sleep, sleep better. But like, if you're not, if there's no problem and there's no issue, like, you don't have to take everything any expert, right, says as like gospel. Like, if it's working for your family, like, please do that Um, and know that you're definitely better off doing something for your family that helps keep you like sane and mentally healthy and there and able to show up for your kid in, a, in the way you want to, as opposed to doing something that's the right way, right? And yet you're like a basket case because you're like trying to feed your kid, you know, three times a day, twins, baby
0: led weaning, like. (laughs) Right, exactly. Like, so crazy. Actually, talk to us about how you work with clients, your practice, what the structure looks like when someone reaches out to you. Tell us everything.
1: Absolutely. I'd love to. Yeah. So right now I'm working um, with one-to-one clients primarily. So basically you contact me, you tell me all about what's going on. And then based on a, a lot of different factors, I come up with a custom plan for you that you I walk you through. And then I follow up for two weeks um, daily. So you get like text and voice memos from me. Ooh. You can ask any questions. Like it's very much in the moment of like today this happened and what do I do? Right. Um, and so that's what I'm doing now. And then with that, I also provide a year of follow-up support so a lot of programs, like it's kind of two weeks and then you're done. So I like to be able to be available to families because there's a lot of stuff that'll come up, you know, and to no fault of anybody's, you know, it just kind of happens, life happens. And that way you have access to like, make sure you get ahead of it before it goes totally off the rails. So once a month, I get, you know, you have the opportunity to have a 30 minute call with me and ask anything you want. And then I'm also in the process right now of developing um, a course as well. So just to have like that option for families that want to like are more do-it-yourselfers and are like, just tell me what to do and I want to just go do it. And so that's in the works right now. It should be launching within the next few
0: months. Ooh, that's exciting. And what is the course? Like how is the course structured or going to be structured?
1: Yeah, so my goal is for it to be, it's going to be structured in a very similar way to what I do in my, with working one-to-one with clients. So it's the same sort of process of how we get the result. Um, of helping your child sleep through the night, helping lengthen their naps, helping you know stop early morning wakings, um, no more five a.m. wakeups. Um, but the way that we get there is very much the same way I do with my clients. It's just going to be um, more of the framework and very detailed instruction through the course, um, as opposed to more like individualized and more. Um, Like the daily support option, there will be the opportunity to like get on a call still and talk through any questions. But my goal is for it to look very similar to what I do now with just a lower a lower price point um, and something that you can you know. There's different types of learners and there's different types of you know the way that people want to access this information. Like I myself, I enjoy a course. You know, like I like to have Mm -hmm. like I can reference it. I, I can go back. I have a workbook. Um, and I can kind of figure it out on my own if you give me the tools. So that's my goal with it.
0: I love that. What a great offering. It's so cool to have both because like you said, some people are more course people. Some people might want something in between. Some people are really like that one-to-one. So it's just like everyone learns differently. I think everybody needs support in different ways too. So that's great. Exactly. Yeah. I'm really excited. Well, you'll definitely have to keep me posted on... That so that I can share it out when it's live and everything, and we'll, maybe we'll have you back on to talk about it. I don't know. We'll talk. We'll we'll discuss. Oh, um, absolutely. Well, thank you. So actually, before we go, I wanted to say your hair looks really pretty. I've been wanting oh. to say it that the whole time. I've been st- like it looks so good. Did you blow dry
1: it? Thank you so much. It's actually. Get ready. Another another bomb drop. It's actually a wig.
0: What? Yeah. Yeah. What? I
1: have Stop I know it. you love it. I know. It's so nice. I get compliments. I have alopecia. Um, and so I wear wigs. And so yeah, I'm a wig wearer and proud of it. And but I'm currently actually growing my hair back. I haven't had any hair for seven years, and now I am it's growing back, <laughs> but not enough to not wear the wig yet. I gotta wait, <laughs> I gotta wait a little while. Well, well, can you explain what alopecia is? Absolutely. It's um it's an autoimmune disorder. Mm-hmm. Um similar like you know like in the family of um like hypothyroidism, lupus, mm-hmm. like all kind of that family of autoimmune. And so it's kind of hereditary. My fam no one has this, but they have autoimmune stuff. Mm-hmm. And basically the onset was for me at like 25. And they say they're not sure how it's like why it's started. Yeah. You basically like have it in your genes. And then I think they say like maybe a stress event can like make it happen make it really like go. Yeah. Um, so basically my hair follicles, like my immune system like attacks them. Uh-huh. So they, yep. Basically it was just like stops the hair growth. Your hair like falls out. Most people just get like spots um falling out. I got the I, I don't do anything halfway. So I guess I got the the whole thing. And yeah, it's an autoimmune thing. And they just approved in last June, I think it was like the first FDA-approved treatment. Um, so that's what I, I, meet, I like went and got it immediately, and it's actually it's working. So wow, that is so exciting! Thank you for sharing all of that. Absolutely, I'm totally an open book, and you know, I know that there's lots of people that might have experience with it, but it's it's kind of like a, I guess, a stigmatized thing. So I'm happy to talk about it.
0: Yeah, it really shouldn't be because so many people go through and there's a lot of autoimmune. Luckily, now there's a lot of autoimmune awareness because I think a lot of people do experience autoimmune disease and might not even know that it is an autoimmune issue because of the lack of their access to medical care what kind of care they get, what their provider's experiences and everything. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it looks absolutely. it's beautiful. It is very I would never in 1000 years ever think it's a wig. Thank you so
1: much. I've, I've having it for seven years. I It's been a journey to find
0: like the wig. the wig thing
1: is is a whole <laughs> crazy thing on its own, like to find you don't know about this, right? Like, so you just have to, like, learn and and find what's a good wig option, <laughs>
0: right like what fits like the frame of your face and like the different brands and I'm sure like do you have to take care of it too in a certain like for mm-hmm. so like yeah. if it's,
1: this is like real hair so you have to basically like wash it you don't wash it as much as like your head hair mm-hmm. but um yeah it's it's a whole thing you have to and it's since it's not growing you have to like be very gentle and, and make sure that you're using good products that aren't going to like strip it and all that so
0: it's a yeah. it's a whole thing Wow, that's so interesting. Well, it's beautiful and you are beautiful. So, thank you. It. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Well, Carly, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And my last question is not question, but tell us tell us where everybody can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Um I'm active on
1: Instagram at the period goodnight period guide and then also my website is goodnightguide.com.
0: Goodnightguide g G-U-I-D-E. u mm-hmm. i d e.com mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And I will put all of that in the show notes. Everyone, thanks for listening. I hope you got some tips on here and if if you need a little bit more support, definitely reach out to Carly. She's clearly very knowledgeable. Like I brought like she she had no <laughs> questions ahead of time, okay, everybody, because I was unprepared for this interview and I just spitballed at her and without like blinking, she just answered everything. So she clearly knows what she's talking about. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Carly, have a good day. And everyone, thanks for listening and tune in next week for the next episode. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the New Mamas podcast. This podcast was created to help first time moms everywhere navigate this new stage of life and talk about the honest and the raw moments in motherhood. I'm your host, Lena Forrestal. I'm a working mom by day and a blogger, photographer, and podcaster by mid-afternoon. And as a first-time mom myself, I'm on this journey with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite listening platform. You can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash newmamaspodcast. Stay in touch by following us on Instagram at newmamaspodcast and Lena Forrestal. Thanks again and stay tuned next week for the next episode. Bye.